This podcast is part of the Podcavern Network. Check out other Podcavern shows at podcavern.com. Today, Moth and Butterfly look for a teddy bear. If you're new to the podcast, you could check out the archives on the website and listen to the episodes you've missed. The address is in the show notes. You don't have to, of course, but this is the kind of story where details add up. Welcome to the third episode of The Moth Collection. The Moth Collection. Episode 3. In the Park. The boy looked about five. He stood, forlorn, at the leaves-strewn foot of a large oak tree near the entrance of the park. He was quite alone. That is to say, there were a great number of promenaders about the place, but none of them were with him. Indeed, most visitors seemed to ignore him, and some clearly did not see him at all. He wore a school uniform, blue and white, with a square flap around the neck, which made him look like a little sailor. His large aquamarine eyes seemed lit from within, and his longish black hair was parted to the side and slicked down on his forehead. Very smart. People walking to the entrance all slowed, as they neared an imaginary line between the two poplars that marked the entryway. They slowed, looked around, smiled vacuously, and then turned back. The ones already in the park stayed in. The ones on the street stayed out. The boy suddenly sniffed at the autumn air and spun on his ear. He stared at the beautiful red-haired woman in the long gray-green dress. Is it you who smells so good? The woman smiled at him with some aloofness. The unseasonably warm late-day sun, already heavy and reddening, limbed her startling hair, which she wore up, as did most of the women in the park. Yes, probably, she said, scanning the crowd. It smells sweet, like marzipan, the boy went on. He suddenly looked perplexed. Hello, it's gone now. The woman's gaze settled on the child. Yes, it never remains for very long. She breathed the air in herself. Hmm, parks always smell rather good in the fall, when it hasn't been raining in a while, I find. My name is Moth. What's yours? The boy's mouth crinkled. That's not a real name. Moth shrugged. Well, it'll have to do. What's your name? She suddenly seemed to notice his general air of melancholy. Is anything the matter? Her golden-tinged, elaborately made-up eyes zipped about the bustling park once again. Families, couples, cyclists, a young woman pushing a stroller. At the back, walking away, 
a thin, bearded man clutching a box wrapped in green paper. Five or six schoolchildren in tweeds and caps, playing football on the grass. On a bench along the path, an older gentleman holding hands with a gray-haired stooped woman, both wearing their Sunday best. Moth made a note, silently, invisibly. Accurate and systematic notes were key. Where are your parents? The boy's head sagged toward the ground. I don't know. I can't find them. Coming to a decision, Moth knelt in front of him and put her hands on his shoulders. They felt pleasantly cool. Would you like to come with me? I need to find someone. Some thing, actually. She leaned in close. A teddy bear. A teddy bear? repeated the boy, surprised. A strange longing nestled in his words. Yes, said Moth. The teddy bear is very important. The boy nodded. It was clear that he thought there was nothing to dispute about this. He obviously believed teddy bears very important as well. Sensible lad. But I'm quite sure whoever I'm looking for, Moth went on, won't have the bear out for all to see. What do you say? Come help me? We'll find your parents as well, I'm sure of it. They can't be very far, and they must be looking for you too. What's your name? The boy's eyes narrowed on her. Jamie, he whispered at length. Take my hand, Jamie. Let's look together. Jamie's hand was surprisingly cold in hers. She stood up and they started on the path, walking toward the center of the park. The neatly raked gravel made a pleasant crunching sound under their feet. The low sun washed the top of the trees in red. The gas lights would be lit in about an hour, she guessed. She hoped to have the discrepancy straight-lined before then. All these people needed to be able to go back to their lives. None of them realized it, but they could, in fact, spend eternity in this park. She checked the notes. Butterfly was already in theater and progressing towards her. She let him know where she was. Look around you, Jamie, she said as they walked. Look at the people. Look for your mom and dad, of course, but if you want to help me, look at everybody. Look very hard. She squeezed his hand and was pleased to see the shadow of a smile on his lips. Wistful and unaccountably grateful, but something approaching a smile nonetheless. One of these people is different. Think you can help me find him? It's a man? Well, no, yes, you're right, she admitted, finding him sharper than most adults she met outside of the house. It could be a woman. We rarely know that coming in. She laughed, a little irked. That makes the finding a bit difficult sometimes. Jamie nodded. He was peering into the crowd with considerable earnestness. None of this was normal.
and of course, the brief said nothing about a lost boy. What about him? Moth's gaze followed Jamie's pointing finger to a middle-aged man in a bowler hat and riding coat. The man held a straining dog on a leash. What about him? she repeated. I don't think he likes his dog, said Jamie. Moth observed the man for a moment. What makes you think... The dog yelped. The man had kicked it and was now tugging viciously on the leash. Moth made a note. Maybe, she said, shaken. We'll see. I think I found a very good helper, Jamie. Thank you. These contained areas often upped the psychic peculiarities in the trapped population, but this was outside of the regular parameters by some margin. The child was gifted, and no mistake. She had heard of rare cases like these. In every one of them, the discrepancy had ended up finding these mystic lodestones like a fish finds a worm on a hook. Follow Jamie. Find the discrepancy, she reasoned. She changed the subject. Do you see your parents? What do they look like? She said, wondering why she had not asked that question before. There was a long moment of silence. My mom, whispered Jamie, my mom has red hair. Like me? Jamie looked at his feet. Moth was about to pursue the matter when he said, with an odd solemnity, What have they done? This person you're trying to find. Are you a policewoman? Moth pursed her lips at the shrewd query. After a fashion, I am. Yes. She sighed. Well, the person I'm looking for isn't supposed to be here. They belong somewhere else, and by being here, they're putting a lot of other people in danger. Jamie ruminated a bit. They were coming up to the large fountain in the center of the park. Is this person bad? I don't know, she said. They sat down on the low wall of the fountain. Perhaps not. She let her hand fall into the water relishing the cool flow threading itself around her fingers. Coins from a dozen countries, not all of them on earth, she saw, glittered at the bottom of the pool. Some of them are, of course. Some of them are very bad. Others are just not where they should be. It's worse when they are bad, but even the nicer ones can cause an awful lot of mischief just by being somewhere they don't belong. That's not fair! exclaimed Jamie. He wasn't truly indignant. He didn't seem quite capable of that intensity of emotion. But the injustice of her explanations cut him. Nice people should be allowed to go where they like. Things are not always fair, Jamie. Sometimes things are what they are, and we have to deal with them as they are, and we have no real choice in the matter even if we find it difficult or sad or unjust. Moth spread her hands in a dismissive gesture. In any case, 
They've taken something important, haven't they? The teddy bear, you mean? The teddy bear, I mean. In my experience, people who take teddy bears that don't belong to them are bad news. Jamie considered this thesis. I guess your... His eyes suddenly widened and flooded with terror. Moth, there's a man coming. He's coming right here, right now. It's him. It's the one you're looking for. Where? Her eyes began bouncing from one person in the crowd to the next. Nothing seemed amiss. Jamie, does he have the bear? Yes, yes, he knows we're here. His hand tightened inside hers. There, look. Moth whirled, but she saw nothing apart from insouciant citizens on the stroll. She half felt his hand slip out of hers and was shocked to hear him start running. She turned back and gaped. He was already much too far away, weaving through the crowd, his feet pelting the gravel path at an astonishing speed. She cried out his name, then stood up, indecisive, as heads turned to her. Wait for the target? Run after the child? Run? In this ridiculous dress? In the direction Jamie had indicated, the throng finally parted, and there, of course, stood Butterfly. With a teddy bear in his hand, Moth bit down hard on a scream of frustration. What do you think you're doing with that thing? She growled as he came to her side. He wore a top hat, a long brown frock coat, and held a shiny walking stick. All very well and appropriate, indeed quite elegant, really, but all she could see was the stuffed animal. Butterfly blushed, and actually tried to hide the teddy bear behind his back. Collection told me to take it along, he explained. In case we need to make a switch? A switch. Switch it for the plinth, he said. Come on, Moth. The brief is clear. She nearly choked. Since when? That wasn't in the brief. I've been here half an hour by my reckoning, and I knew nothing of this second bear. It's amateur night. The brief, he repeated, is clear. We straight-line the discrepancy if we can, if we must, but priority goes to the plinth. If we have to choose between the two, we get the teddy bear and let the discrepancy go. I know my job, she said. Butterfly grinned ruefully. Yes, Moth was a flyer, all right. He was almost fifteen years older than she was, and her senior at the net to boot, and yet here he was, working as her assistant and catching hell. We don't have to risk our life every time, Moth, he moaned. If a simple exchange of a dead artifact for a charged one is enough to reach rectification at the local level, then why not go for that? Discrepancies are a diverse lot, like any other beings. They're not all of them dangerous. Yes, they are. Of course they are. In time, they all cause ruptures. All of them. By their very nature. But that can take forever. And we freak out way too much over ruptures. You know what I mean. Discrepancies are not all violent. 
Some are simply confused. Straightlining need not imply a serer shot. You're being uncharacteristically broad-minded. You've been spending too much time with Spider, he spat, then looked sick at his daring. Moth was being unfair, and she knew it. In fact, it was the measure of the man that he would not have changed one word of that argument, even if he had known that, eight years later by his reckoning, a discrepancy gone feral would take his life. Maybe I have, she conceded. Be that as it may, we now sweep the park. You've read the notes. Keep an eye out for the boy. I would wager my division bonus it's through him we'll get to the discrepancy. They separated. Butterfly's lack of enthusiasm was palpable. They had protocols for such operations, of course, but the park was large, and not all of it was open ground. There were thickets and little areas filled with fairly densely planted trees. Pocket forests, by any standard. They could be here for weeks. Worse still, in situations like these, everyone looked shady, and you'd suspect the Pope of having sprung from the voids. Well, the jury was still out on Urban the Sixth. Be careful, Moth advised Butterfly in the notes, and I'm sorry I snapped. We've worked together long enough. Stand me a beer back home tonight. His innate joviality was reasserting itself. Moth felt stupidly stirred. She tried to pick him out in the crowd, but he was already out of sight. Then she saw something else, something slightly askew, and the game was on. Older man with picnic basket and a dyspeptic disposition. Then, picnic basket contained food and drink, lots of onion in all dishes, some people artisans of their own misery. Over the next hour, as the sun slowly set and the gaslights were lit, rafts of notes flew between the two ops. Smartly dressed salesman with samples case. Smarmy. Later. Smarminess prerequisite to job. Samples case full of tonics and miraculous pick-me-ups. Will need one of them himself. Asking politely to see his wares did not elicit the required response, as man was on a break. Middle-aged, heavy woman in domestic's uniform, carrying clothes hamper, in a terrible mood. Eventually, walking to employer's house with bedsheets picked up at laundry. In worse mood, sheets may have to be laundered again. Then, from Butterfly, man, bearded, very thin, unusually interested in the children wandering the park, Carries a largish box wrapped in green paper. Interested in the children, Moth noted, red lights switching on in her mind. Yes, parents are starting to get upset. I'm getting a very negative vibration from this gentleman. It's him, Moth noted. It's him. He's got a box? Yes, like a birthday present? It's him. Don't let him out of your sight. She confirmed Butterfly's position, walking faster. I'm converging. Stay on him. He'll eventually find Jamie. He'll be drawn to him like a magnet. Keep your eye on that man, and don't let him hurt Jamie. 
She began to run, dress be damned. People tutted in mild disapproval at her lack of decorum. The next note was both apologetic and perplexed. Moth, I don't see, I don't see him. him. I don't know what happened. Trying to find him again. She nearly swore. A minute or so went by. Wait, Wait. the sailor school uniform? Noted Butterfly. That's your boy, yes? Yes, noted Moth, surprised at how relieved she felt. She'd only met the child. Yes, yes. Make sure he's okay. I'm coming. Tell him I'm coming. She ran. Half a minute, and another sheepish note. I don't know how to tell you this, Moth, but the kid ran away from me. Just took one look at me and bolted like a hare. Moth groaned. She felt stuck in a vaudeville. A thought occurred to her as she ran. Butterfly, are you still carrying that bear? Yes, obviously. This time she did swear. He thinks you're the discrepancy. Oh, of course, noted Butterfly. Sorry about that. Moth was sure he was blushing. Collection will hear of this, she noted with a touch of acerbity. Collection has to think ahead and he can't... Hang on. The man's back. Still holding the box. Quite far from me. Even space is behaving oddly in this park. Wait. He spotted Jamie. Holy smokes, how quickly does that boy run? Quicker than she did. That was obvious. Thin man, walking toward boy. You want me to accost him? I want you to sear him. Simmer down now. The place is packed. Besides, I might hit the box. The box? The teddy bear, of course. Priorities, Moth. Keep your wits about you. She nearly sent a note that would undoubtedly have ended up in disciplinary action, but refrained. She was starting to pant, and her side ached. Running in this dress was not ideal. I'm getting closer, noted Butterfly, still not quite reading the room. I'll hold position until you arrive. What can he do with all these people around anyway? He's a discrepancy, she retorted, pulling out her own serum. He doesn't care that there are people around. That's not how it works, and you know it. What's the matter with you? A pause. He's talking to Jamie. I can't hear. He's smiling, pointing at the trees, offering him the box. Moth pushed herself to run faster. Nearly there. A series of notes from Butterfly as he moved into position. Jamie's not going for it. Smart boy. Then, thin creep trying to take his hand. Jamie walking backwards away from man. Finally, he's grabbed him. Jamie's struggling to get away. Energetic little tyke. Moth's arms were sawing the air with a mechanical whooshing sound. Her legs pistoned under her, flinging gravel everywhere. Sear him. Sear him now. He's dragging him toward the trees noted Butterfly, ignoring her suggestion. People aren't that interested. They assume he's the dad, I suppose. Take the shot, Butterfly. She nearly screamed it aloud. Then she was skidding around a corner, and there they all were. 
the discrepancy, carrying his present, dragging Jamie toward the thicket of trees, alternating between a good-natured coo and the firm tone of a displeased father. Jamie, frantic with fear, struggling like a wildcat. Butterfly, sprinting toward them, his searer in one hand and his teddy bear in the other. He ditched the walking stick somewhere. Moth leveled her own weapon, praying she wouldn't hit the boy, or, and she loathed herself for thinking it, the box. She never took the shot. In an instant that would take her nineteen minutes to describe to collection at report, but that actually lasted less than three seconds, Jamie's hands and arms suddenly transmuted into undulating streams of water that gushed straight up into the bearded man's face. As he spluttered and coughed and lurched back in surprise and terror, these streams solidified into keen blades of glittering ice. With a silent shriek, Jamie pushed hard, and the ice erupted out of the back of the man's skull. Then the ice was water again, mixed with blood and brain. The thin man staggered back, his head like a burst piece of fruit. He fell to the ground. The box fell near him. It split open when it hit the path. Jamie's gaze followed the box. He noticed what was in it and bent down. Butterfly's face darkened, but he kept back. The crowd began to disperse as panic spread. Moth called out to Jamie as she ran to him, reholstering her searer. Clasping the teddy bear to himself, he turned to her in an oddly slow movement, as though underwater. She relaxed, if only a little, when she saw the tight, sad smile of recognition form on his features. His face, his hands, everything about him looked perfectly normal. Moth, panted Jamie. That man, he wanted to hurt me. He was smiling, but he wanted to hurt me. Just an ordinary human psychopath, noted Butterfly as he dragged the bearded man's corpse, one-handed, into the thicket. A strong chap was Butterfly. You're talking to the discrepancy now. Yes, she said in answer to both of them. Kneeling next to Jamie, she took his hand his cold hands. He still looked confused. This was dangerous. A perturbed discrepancy could lash out in unexpected ways. They might have to sear him after all. Moth's mind was spinning. She was trying to think her way to a living Jamie and a salvaged teddy bear. A divisional garrote would have been so much more useful than a searer today. He can't hurt you now, she said. He'll never hurt anyone again. Without thinking, she leaned in and hugged him. Her own reactions bewildered her. Of course, they were so much easier to straight-line for good when they ate innocent people. Butterfly stepped out of the thicket, his hand conspicuously behind his back, and Jamie tensed as he... recognized him? No, Moth blurted out in alarm. That's my friend. You didn't have to run away from him. That was all a big mix-up. It's all right. Butterfly waved hello awkwardly with his free hand. He kept his distance, however. 
The boy told me he doesn't know where his parents are, she noted, looking at her partner. That's because he's not a boy. His entire identity as a lost child is just the one he imprinted. God knows why. But Butterfly, it's true to him. It's what he feels he is, to the depths of him. Butterfly shrugged. You don't have to convince me. You want to straight-line this discrepancy without killing it? I'll back you all the way at report. Just make sure you get the plinth back. Make the switch. He walked up to her, gingerly, then produced the dead bear from behind his back. She reached for it with a sigh. I'll contact collection, said Butterfly. We'll need a clean-up crew before the site can be unsealed. For that mess back there, obviously. As well as full psychic remodeling for everyone stuck here with us, I should imagine. I mean, at this point, every single human in this park is having a full breakdown. Or getting there. Yes. Thank you. She stood up, still holding the discrepancy's hand. Jamie? I'd like to talk to you. Come with me? Moth and Jamie walked for endless minutes through the reddish-black night. The trees were either shrouded to nothingness or washed in the saffron glare of the gaslights. The people they met on the path never even saw them. They were too busy running about like broken wind-up toys. The madness was always catching. She'd seen it before. Enough. Moth forced herself to stop in front of a bench. About the fifth one they'd passed, probably. They sat, next to one another, straight, rigid, silent. Jamie sat with the weight of his transelemental sadness upon his narrow shoulders, clutching the teddy bear that she had to take away from him. She had no idea where to begin. The discrepancy began in her stead. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, am I? No, you're not, Jamie. I'm the kind of people you find. Like you said, the ones who are trouble, even if they don't mean to be. Yes. Moth? Oh, his voice was so young. Yes? Am I one of the nice ones? What could she say? Professionalism be damned. She put her arm around him. She felt his cool head leaning against her. I mean, that man who wanted to hurt me, he said, and his eyes lost their focus as though he were reliving the moment or fleeing from it. I'm sorry I did that. I didn't even think. It just happened. I know. I know. She was not sure she had it in her to get to the end of this conversation. Don't worry about it. She felt a trickle of sweat snake its way down along her spine. Nothing she could do. That accursed dress. Some twenty breaths later, he came to the inexorable conclusion on his own. I can't stay here. No. No, you can't. My parents aren't here, are they? She shook her head, looking at her shoes. She didn't have the courage to face him anymore. 
Do you know where they are? He asked, with a last gasp of something like genuine hope. The only true answer to that question was, You don't have any parents, not in the way you'd like. But she couldn't bring herself to say it. I'm sorry, I don't. She wavered instead. She could not decide if her dissembling was a sign of weakness or strength. He looked at the teddy bear in his arms. Can I keep it? She saw, in a flash, what she wanted to do. Not this one, no. She saw how she would make the switch. It's not yours, and it's not mine, to give to you. Tell me, when you hold it to you, how does it feel? It feels nice. I'll bet. Her tone picked up a bit of urgency. Tell you what, though. That bear is very important, in a sort of grown-up way. But it's nothing to you. It's just a toy you picked up from a very bad man. It's cold and dead. She set Butterfly's bear on her knees. This bear, though. She gazed deep into Jamie's eyes. His normal human eyes. This bear is my bear. It's mine, and I've loved it forever, so it's full of my love, and when I give it to you, it'll be your bear. When you hug it, it'll be like you're hugging me. He fixed her with an uncomprehending stare for an age. Then, slowly, his normal human eyes started to blaze with hope and some indefinable melancholy peace. Would you like it? she asked. He couldn't speak. He had begun to cry. She enfolded him in her arms and rocked him back and forth. Look, she whispered in his ear, I'll do a thing my mom used to do for me. With this very bear, I'll give the bear a bunch of kisses, and all of them are for you. When you want one, you just put your cheek against the bear's nose. And don't worry, the kisses don't run out. My mom's kisses are still all over that bear. Would you like me to do that? She felt him nod minutely through his tears. She kissed the teddy bear ten, fifteen, twenty times. Here you go, she said in a faltering tone. He let her have the charged bear without a second look, and received his own with trembling hands. It's warm, he stammered, and it smells good. It'll stay warm forever, you know, and it'll never lose its smell. Sniffling, Jamie pressed the bear's nose to his cheek. His mouth dropped open in amazement. It works, he cried. He did it again. Thank you. I have to go back to the in-between places now, right? The moment stretched. Wax on the candle of eternity. I'll miss you, Moth. I'll miss you too, she whispered, and kissed his forehead. A lock of his hair had turned red. None of that was going in the notes. She walked back to Butterfly, but she took the long way round. The cleanup crew, masked and ferret-like, was already hard at work 
pushing carts, scrubbing surfaces, shoveling new gravel in, ticking body parts off a list, making the bearded man disappear. Moth pinched her nose at the characteristic smell of vinegar. They weren't talking, but she knew they hated being summoned for what they called Reggie's. The psych team had come with the cleaners, and they were distributing brandy, tea, and cookies, taking readings with their quaint wooden instruments, flashing color cards at people. The briefs never made any sense, but the net could tidy up a theater pretty well. When she rounded the last bend in the path before Butterfly came into view, she sent a new note. Discrepancy straight-lined. Plinth retreated. You never seared him, did you? Didn't have to, Butterfly remarked almost smugly when they stood together under the gauzy yellow light of one of the park's Art Nouveau gas lamps. Not here, not today, not even you in all likelihood, if it ever becomes necessary. He grinned, delighted. Sometimes my silly philosophizing is not entirely bootless, I guess. He had stopped noticing her beauty some time ago. It was now just a fact, like any other. He was struck, however, by how uncommonly tired she looked now. Give me the bear, he suggested. I'll make sure it's back in London in time for Milne to buy it for his son. He laughed with an honest mirth that palled on Moth a bit. Amazing what props up reality sometimes, isn't it? Let Atlantis sink, not a ripple, but trip the birth of Winnie the Pooh, and whole swaths of the fabric of the worlds collapse. I don't pretend to understand any of it, she admitted, scratching idly at her temple. I'm more concerned with how the plinth ended up here. I mean, the discrepancy didn't bring it to this division. And yet, here it is. I wonder if we'll ever find out. I'm guessing we wouldn't like the answer. Butterfly's jaw dropped. There was a reason she was a flyer at the net, while he was ferrying toys. Thank you for relocating the bear, she said, tugging on her sleeves to adjust them. And thank you for forcing me to think about things I rarely want to think about. She took out a compact and touched up her trembling lips. Do you mind if I stand you that beer tomorrow and not tonight? I think I need a bath. This is Vincent Lauzon. I hope you enjoyed this third episode of The Moth Collection. If you did... By all means, tell people about it. That'd be like super swell. And come visit the website, which has a bunch of fun things and extras. The glossary gets updated after every episode. For example, the word plinth was just added. The address is in the show notes. See, Moth does have feelings. They're all pretty weird and repressed at the net, but they're not robots. The Moth Collection is written and read by Vincent Lauzon. Production by Transuranic. I hope you'll be back in two weeks for another episode of The Moth Collection.
I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tefer Ajemian. And we're the hosts of the No Bad Food podcast. No Bad Food is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Find us in the Pod Cavern or wherever fine podcasts are sold.